Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Just wanted to take a brief moment to give you guys a little idea how we do it here at Paddle and Fin Podcast. We use the Anchor.fm recording platform. Super easy, distributes our podcast to many, many different platforms. There's creation tools to allow you to record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. Check out anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app to get started. Welcome back to the Paddle and Fin Podcast, Episode 9. Tonight we got an epic guest joining us, uh, also, uh, Christine Fisher, also known as Midwest Fisher Girl on the Instagram world. Uh, she just recently got back from the KBF Open on Lake Erie. Took uh, It was sixth place, correct? Sixth place, yeah. Sixth place, and yeah. uh, we're going to talk with her this evening and uh, kind of get her outlook on things and... Uh, get uh, the life in a woman's perspective in the fishing world these days so christine why don't you start off telling us about uh you know how you got into fishing and kind of how uh the passion kind of grew with you okay uh, well fishing has always been a huge part of my family uh, I, I guess i was raised in a fishing world ever since i was a kid um my mom and dad and brother, we fished family walleye tournaments um, out of a, our old old uh, Spectrum boat at some of the local reservoirs around here. Um, I, I fished. We didn't have a TV growing up, so I guess the only thing my brother and I could really do was, in our small town, was go to the lakes or creek. And I, we just were born and raised in the outdoors, and so it's always kind of stuck with me through most of my life. Um, and then just recently, these last probably oh seven or eight years or so I started um, kayak fishing which has become one of my biggest hobbies and um, something I'm really passionate about and I started competing about three years ago um, to try try to escalate that and it kind of just took it to a whole new level uh, of appreciation for the sport so it's it's a huge part of my life it kind of dictates my life (laughs) 
guess and, you'd say. And in your first tournament, you took like second place or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah, my very first tournament, um, I bought an old used Jackson Cuda and I fished a local tournament. I was I got third place, um, which is pretty awesome. There's some pretty incredible sticks here in Nebraska. So awesome, 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 awesome. Yeah. So, and you like decided just to like leave the corporate job and just pursue the fishing dream. Like what, what made you decide that? And you know, what kind of made you go that route? Um, a lot of things, actually. I, um, I'm part of a family that's completely compromised of of entrepreneurs. And so we never really did things status quo. Um, and I was always the one that asked questions and, you know, didn't really follow a lot of guidelines and rules. And so though I loved working in the outdoors industry and I I was the hunting manager at a big retailer for a long time. And I I loved working with all the guys and tuning bows and having that role. I didn't like punching a time clock and I didn't like the micromanaging and I didn't, I just didn't really feel like that was my fit. Um, So I said goodbye to that and started uh, my own business and it kind of just took off from there and I it's one of those things that I can I'm not made for that nine to five I just can't I can't do it so I thought of every single way possible to um, avoid ever kind of going back to that role and I've never really had a desk job and um, I found kind of my niche in the outdoors and I love to write and I love to share my passions and I'm just going full bore with that um, and it's, it's pretty incredible. No, totally. I mean, I, uh, I mean, we found you on Instagram and that led me to your website and I just started reading like some of your blog posts and things. And I mean, I thought that was totally fascinating that, you know, you were just like, screw the man, I'm going for it. <laughs> you did it. And like, you have definitely climbed the success ladder, I would say in the fishing world, so to speak, and definitely gotten a lot of respect um just by you know you know i think the biggest problem nowadays um with women in the fishing world is they're taking these raunchy photos with fish Mm -hmm. and whatever and trying to make their way up the ladder and you definitely didn't do that and you you know kind of stuck to what you were passionate about and didn't do the corporate thing that's that's what definitely drew us to you as a guest tonight so you know, kudos for that. Um, but you can, know, can I just say something here, Brian? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, man. Cause like, I have to admit, Christina, I went to your, your, your Instagram page and I had instant fish envy. That's all I'm going to say. Like, <laughs> it was so ridiculous. It was so ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, I can yeah, attest you're to the that real too. Deal, without a doubt. Yeah. Without you a guys doubt. are, that's very flattering. You guys. No, no, no. It's, <laughs> it's awesome. And I, you know, I'm, I'm a big YouTube guy. I don't watch a ton of TV and stuff. I, you know, I'm always watching fishing videos and hunting videos, camping videos, DIY videos, whatever on YouTube. And, uh, it was yesterday. Um, I believe it was fluke master. Mm-hmm. I forget that guy's actual name, but Gene Jensen. Yeah, Gene yeah, Jensen. That's it. Yeah. He was like giving you a shout out because you did so awesome on Lake Erie, and I think that's just cool. You know, like you oh, were the, have to, have you were like you. <laughs> one of the first people he mentioned, and I think that says a lot. Um, mm-hmm. You know, as far as that goes, um, I did so. not know that. That's pretty awesome. Gene's a good guy. Yeah. No. 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 I watch a lot of his stuff in. Um, you know, he's a very intelligent guy when it comes to fishing and such, but, Most um, definitely. you know, I thought that was cool, you know, getting a shout out from Gene Jensen. So kudos there. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. He's, <laughs> but, he's a good dude. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I can relate to what you're saying as far as like work goes, you know, I worked for the man for 12 years and then I went out on my own and now I'm my own entrepreneur, so to speak. Congratulations. And That's great. Yeah, it's it's a whole different world. You know, I've been at it for four or five years now, and it's just like it's such a huge, huge difference. It gives me more freedom to do things like this and such. I mean, trust me, I'd like to be fishing full time. Don't get me wrong <laughs> <laughs> like you, but I'm getting there. We'll get there one day. That's but, awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, you know, the one thing I wanted to talk to you about was you know, lately we've been hearing about all these huge muskies being caught in Nebraska Mm -hmm. and, you know, we're in the Midwest as well. We're in Northern Illinois 
And, you know, so muskies, we think like Wisconsin, Minnesota, things like that. I would never think of Nebraska. And then I saw a picture of you just holding this giant and I was like, where is this? (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, what, what is the muskie waters like out in your area? You know, maybe you could go over that and, you know, maybe your tactics for approaching muskie and things like that. Mm Um, well, I muskie fished all over, all over the country, up in Canada. Uh, Nebraska definitely provides its own set of challenges because it, these are not world-renowned muskie waters. I mean, I used to joke that there are five total muskie in the state, and I've caught all of them like 30 <laughs> times. Sure. So <laughs> um, we, we've, got, we've got a few hidden gems. Um, a couple of reservoirs have some really nice-sized fish, but it's definitely – more challenging. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not a species that, um, flourishes here by any means. Um, like they, you know, they would up North or in some of the, the big deep Southern reservoirs, um, like cave run or Melton here or Dale, or Dale hollow or any of the rivers down there. Sure. Um, but it, it, it's a different, you still apply type of the, the same type of behavioral, um, tactics the same you know follow i do a lot of the moon phases i follow really closely and watching you know pre to post funnel and barometric pressure changes and you know the pre-spawn even though a lot of our a lot of the areas here the the muskie don't actually spawn they go through like a false spawn okay um, but the behaviors are still the same so you apply the same type of tactics that you would you know that early spring ice out you know mid I don't, I don't usually target them midsummer when it gets pretty hot around here. Um, but then again, uh, that, that late early fall when the water gets around that 65 degrees and it gets a little more safe to handle them. Um, and they start, you know, moving back and finding that, that grass that has still is, you know, has most of its life and producing most oxygen, follow the shad, you know, up the creeks and stuff, just your, your typical, um, textbook musky fishing right for your, yeah. So you, okay. do you target them, Christine, with, with top water or kind of what's your go-to when you're at least, at least searching for them? It dep- it's pretty dependent on the body of water and what the main, um, forage is around here. Um, a lot of our musky are stocked in, in shad lakes. So a couple of my go-tos in Nebraska, um, I, I will throw, a little top water. Um, I only have action on that usually in the early mornings, like right at ice out actually. Um, or here in the fall, I'll do a little bit of top water stuff, but my main go-to, we've got a lot of big laydowns um, that in some of these big reservoirs here, some of the lakes or these rocky points. I love throwing the lungeon 22 short, um, the 22 long bumping cranks off of um, like off of the laydowns and along the rocks or just burning blades. I mean, that's, that's always effective about anywhere you go. Right. Um, and the Medusa, I love like when it gets a little bit like your April, May, I love throwing the, I love getting those big plastics out, working glides. Um, it just completely depending on the time of year. And I'm known to switch baits a thousand times. If I, <laughs> if I feel like. <laughs> Sounds like me, Brian. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Yep. It's, it, it, you know, you gotta let the fish tell you what they want at that given time. Um, but here it seems that simple, if you keep it simple, that's typically better. Um, you know, I, I, I usually don't throw big blades around here. I'll throw like, you know, eights or sometimes nines or big arm spinners, um, keeping it pretty simple. We, we don't have, we, we just don't have the type of fishing that you're going to find. Like I'm going to cave run here in about two weeks and it'll be a whole different ball game for me. Sure. Sure. What I'm going after. Yeah, we, we, we were talking about some of our trips we took just recently on another pod. And um, when I was up in Canada, man, I was on Eagle Lake, and they literally I set... fished Eagle. Did you really? Yeah. No way. <laughs> oh, Where'd yeah. Um, Andy Myers Lodge. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard of it, for sure. Yep. I was down at uh, Century. So Okay, gotcha. gotcha so the gotcha. southern end. But, yeah, it, what was interesting was uh, everyone was saying how you didn't need to use massive lures. You know, Mm-mm. you could use, uh, you know, medium to small size bucktails and get the same oh yeah like the joe buker the buker tail that thing is the thing's a killer i mean you can you can just and it's the cadence that really makes a huge difference i found for sure for sure so you get those higher geared reels that you know like that tranks brings in i think 42 inches per turn and you can you can you have that thing screaming across the water and they just can't stand it (laughs) that's a game changer (laughs) 
for sure for sure so so on on, on lake erie i mean you just finished a, a tournament there um yeah. maybe you could talk a little bit about the tournament kind of the challenges and kind of what you what you experienced out there Right. So Erie, um, that's my first time fishing Erie. Um, I never thought I'd go and fish bass on Erie. I've always, I, I grew in walleye on my roots. So I thought it'd be, you know, I always would fish walleye there. And so I, now I, you're talking my language. Yeah. I never expected I'd go to Erie to fish for, for bass, but that, that is what happened. Um, I, the, the biggest challenge was, you know, obviously, well, there, there were two of them, I would say new body of water. Um, I it- had to fly in, so I didn't have my boat my kayak or my um elite 90 i fish lorance and the elite 90 i with a total scan transducer and i rely very heavily on side imaging sure when i'm looking for when i'm looking for you know a small mouth especially i'm looking for boulders or rocks or you know deep grass you know when i can look 100 feet out either way i can cover so much more water and break it down so much quicker well i didn't sure. have that um i had to bring just my head unit but i didn't have the transducer So I was limited to down, um, and just your sonar and GPS. So that was tough. That made it really difficult for me to utilize my electronics and break that water down. Um, and I only had a data pre-fish. Oh yeah. I, I basically data pre-fish and take six. (laughs) Yeah. I, I found a pattern. Um, I, I was limited. Uh, I knew that the big bite was going to be on the main lake, and I knew smallmouth were going to win that tournament. But I, the, I looked everywhere, uh, and if you weren't there pre-fishing for a few days, or you didn't live on the lake, like uh, Dave Lafreebray, that elite series pro that you know took took home that ten grand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he, he lives right on the lake. I yeah, he he lives right on the lake. Yep. And so he was out with his bass boat pre-fishing, and I mean, he was just on top of it. That guy's a phenomenal angler, and he knew what the smallmouth were doing and where they were. Um, the other guys that found the smallmouth were locals. So it, um, it kind of made it a little bit challenging. Um, but I was able to find a really good pattern in deep grass in Presque Isle Bay and produce pretty good limits. Um, with the exception of the second day, my area got pretty crowded and it just didn't support, um, like I was hoping it would. I, I needed one more good fish to put me second or third. But you know that that's fishing, so I I always a little tougher on myself than probably um, everybody else. Is. Yeah, no, 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 no. What uh, what town did you guys go out of? Um, Erie. What town? It was in the town of Erie. Yep. In okay. the town of Erie. Okay, gotcha. Um, you know, because I've fished a walleye tournament out of Huron, so uh, I'm I'm looking at a map here. You know, it's it's pretty close to where you know, you guys were going out of, but right. I mean, the one tournament I fished out there was in October and, uh, pre-fishing, there was like four foot rollers. And then yeah. the day of the tournament, it snowed. So that was interesting, <laughs> you know, yeah. but, um, no, that's totally cool. So, I mean, you had a day to pre-fish and then tournament day, you just kind of stuck with your guns and, yeah. uh, what, what did you come in with lengthwise? Um, the day one, I put up 85 and three quarter, um, oh, wow. Freebury had 88, I believe in the, uh, one of the guys, a local put up 91, but he didn't get a limit day two. So he kind of dropped out of it. Um, but I, I did that in large mouth and I did, I did luck into one small mouth that happened to be cruising through that deep grass. Um, but I was, I fished the bay and I put up 83 or 84 within an hour. I mean, I was on good fish. I put up a good limit. And I said, I, if I'm going to win this tournament, I'm going to have to find some big smallmouth in the main lake. So I went back out to the main lake, spent three hours out there just searching and searching, and I couldn't find anything. So I came back to the bay and ended up upgrading a couple fish and um, put me at fourth. Um, and I was leading most of the day, which is pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome for only a day of pre-fishing on, yeah. a, on a lake you've never fished, let alone. Yeah, well, that, that felt pretty good. Well, that, that's another thing, too, that I have an interest in is, like, how do you even break down a body of water before, you know, you've never fished on before, let alone Lake Erie? I mean, like, I, you know, it's like me going to Lake Michigan and, like, okay, drop a kayak in and get after it. Like, <laughs> yeah. seriously? So yeah, how, do you, how do you approach that even? Well, you look, you, you know, you, you think about bass fishing and you break it down. It's like, what, what time of year is it? What are they doing? What are they feeding on? And where is the bait? Um, and what I found is that there were a lot of shad and a lot of bait that were still in Presque Isle Bay. Um, you could, I'd mark bait balls kind of suspended in like 12 to 15 foot of water. And then I found 
that whole bay has got really good grass in certain areas. And so what I found, I, I use a swim bait presentation. Um, I, I'd use like a, like a, a Kitek on like a weightless Kitek up shallow, or I, I'd do I Carolina rig it, or I would do a, I threw a jackhammer a little bit when it was real windy and choppy and put like a three, eight Kitek on that. Um, and when that kind of slowed down and it, the, the sun got up and it got a little more pressured, um, I threw a, uh, a smoke shad Sanko on a 16th ounce Texas rig in the grass. And I just, I, I mean, I caught fish all day. They were in the grass and they were feeding. Um, and there was definitely a pattern there and there were some good fish there, some good, fi- good fish caught there. Um, there were just a lot of people in the bay that, that didn't find anything on the main lake either. So it was, it was tough. So when you but, say the main lake, were they trying to work like the rock bottom in deeper water or kind of what were they doing? So from what Dave said, um, the, the guy that was leading day one found him in deeper water, but Dave gave a little speech at the end and said those, those small mouth have started to transition small or shallow. And last week they weren't, they were in that 30 foot and there was those big 20, 21 inchers, but they had, it all changed in that week and you had to be on that bite and he was on it. So he, he stayed on top of them and uh, he was catching them, I think in 12, 13 foot of water. So a, a little more shallow and, Usually, from what we had read and heard, that they would be in that thirty foot of water. But what was the water temp? You do you remember? Yep. So sixty, sixty eight in the morning, about seventy one, seventy two for a high. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, because they usually like it a little cooler, and uh, yeah, they, it, maybe the water temp change or something between the weeks. Who knows? Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, it, it was. I would have really liked to. to uh, I mean, I, I didn't come to Erie to fish for a largemouth, but that's all I had. <laughs> so yeah. I, had to, I, I had to make it work, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> so were the tournament rules for either, as long as it was bass? Yes, was any any bass species, yep, is we were good by that. But I think everybody kind of kind of knew that smallmouth were probably going to win that tournament. Interesting. Yeah. So have, I, you, have you ever done any fishing, you know, and um, – uh, or musky fishing in St. Clair or that same area. Oh yeah. Right there. Yeah. Oh, St. Clair is a crazy. Yes. Right? Uh, that is one of my, I, I don't like fishing Metro lakes very much um, or urban lakes, but St. Clair is, that is one I can get down with anytime. Interesting. Yeah. You, you have the potential of catching a trophy of any species in that entire lake. I mean, it's just an absolutely incredible fishery. Um, I'm going to go up there. I'm hoping to get up there in November and go after muskie um, when there's a good bondy bait bite there. Have you ever been out to Hartson's Island? I have not. Okay. You've heard of it though, right? Yes. Yeah. That's crazy smally. Yeah. As well. Yeah. yeah. It's all kind of in the same area. I'm yeah. in the wrong location. I'm in the wrong state, Brian. No, yeah. Well, I've been saying, I've been saying that for years. Yeah, you have. That's true. Yeah. I, I can't say I fished in Illinois before. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason yeah. for that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we get, we got a, our own few hidden gems, so to speak, but uh, right. yeah, I mean, Illinois isn't really known for, I mean, any particular species unless it's Asian carp coming up the Illinois river. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> But you can't uh, make them look like bass when you're in a tournament. I've tried. No. Yeah. No. No. no, no. no. <laughs> spray paint. None of it works. It's, I know. Yeah. yeah. Those things are awful. Our our fishing all lies to the north border there. It once does. You, once yeah. you get over that north border, it it really starts to heat up. You know, with muskies being talked about, have you fished Green Bay for muskies? I haven't. I'm, I would love to. I've, I've been told by a lot of people that that needs to happen. Um, hopefully that, that'll that be on the list here in the next year or so. Yeah, I, I would definitely recommend it. I mean, I personally don't muskie fish, um, but I walleye fish up there quite a bit. And uh, we have some friends that, you know, muskie fish up there. They're speed trolling and things like that. And mm-hmm. They've had days where they've boated 30, 40 muskies and the smallest ones like 40 inches. So like Green Bay is such a healthy fishery. And um, I mean, especially you mentioned you love walleyes. I mean, you Mm -hmm. have a great chance at a 30 plus incher up there in the fall. No doubt. Um, I've been up there twice in like the past month and a half and, you know, caught a slew of 24 to 26 inch walleyes um, with a few 28s that I haven't personally caught, but a friend of mine, he fishes the MWC circuit up there out of the big boats. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we get up there quite a bit, but no, I was just curious on your take on green Bay on muskies, if you had done it or, 
if he had plans for it, but will happen soon. I mean, yeah. talking talking musky and, and wallet, that's pulling at my heartstrings. I mean, those yeah. two fish are <laughs> that's what I'm all about right there. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I'm gonna take a little time. I mean, I just I wanted this year to really go after um tournament fishing and I wanted to gain the respect there and prove that not only I do I take you know, good pictures with these big fish, but I know what I'm talking about. Um, right, that that right. was my, that was my big goal this year. Um, yeah. there's a, there's a lot of people out there that are, you know, celebrity famous on whatever social media outlet they have and their, their content is lacking in so many ways. And I didn't want to fall. Um, I didn't want to get lost in that stereotype. No, I hear you. And I think you've proved yourself quite a bit this year, especially cause you've, you've had like what, eight, caches or yeah, something I've had, I've had a pretty I, I mean I'm, I'm very humble and I'm very happy with the share but it's not over yet I've got a couple more very big tournaments that I'd really like to do well at too that's awesome yeah I, I mean keep it going whatever you're doing is working so thanks guys <laughs> yeah 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 no worries no worries so um I mean let's maybe talk a little bit on uh how you got into the guiding aspect of things um maybe some struggles and stuff you had with that and you know how much you enjoy it and you know just your all-around guiding guiding experience okay um i started guiding for uh well marty approached me after my first tournament and just kind of asked if you know he's been guiding gosh he's like the godfather of kayak fishing in the midwest here um he's been guiding for a long time and asked if i had any interest and um, I said, absolutely. Like, I've always, uh, I've always kind of liked sharing my passion with other people and getting people introduced to it. Um, cause the thing that, you know, drives me crazy is seeing all these people buried into electronics these days and not taking advantage and, you know, seeing all the outdoors has to offer. Sure. So, um, initially there were some challenges. I mean, obviously with being a female comes its own set of you know, like I said, stereotypes and assumptions. And there were some guys that would message Marty and say, I, you know, are you available or can we, oh, man. Can we, yeah. And he, he said, look, like if you, he, he was great. in the fact that he really had my back and he, he really believed in me. Um, and, and the ones that gave me a chance would, you know, message back to him and say, we're so happy we went out with her and, you know, we, we caught so many fish and we had this great experience and, it, it was really, I had to, the more I pushed through that, the more rewarding it was. Um, and I started to kind of build up a reputation there that um, I hope will continue to follow me along um, as, as I go and as I continue to hopefully do some guiding kind of across the country. Um, I, I, you're, I'm always going to have those challenges. There's, there's no doubt about that. That's just something that I've learned to kind of swallow and deal with, but that's okay. You know, it makes me want to work harder and just do better and, you know, get people on the fish of a lifetime when I can and be part of that. Yeah. I think that that alone right there says a lot, you know, about you and your character for sure. And I mean, you know, obviously your reputation, you know, proves everything you say. I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. I I know from my experience, anytime I take a woman fishing, Mm-hmm. I get my butt kicked. So, <laughs> I mean, that's just the way it works out. Yeah. And it, and it's usually my 14 year old daughter. That's so, awesome. You know, <laughs> which, it, which is great. But, is she, uh, is she close right now? Give her an air high five from me. Uh, no, she, she's at her uh, tumbling practice this evening, but I'll let her know when, when okay. she gets home. Awesome. So I was telling her about you and she's like, Oh, I'll check that out, dad. So I think, I think it'll be pretty inspiring to her because, you know, she is a little girlish, but, you know, she does have that fishing in her and the kayaking. I mean, she just loves being outdoors, which is awesome. Yeah, that's I'm great. I'm like super grateful for that, no doubt. Most definitely. So, so I mean, I guess um, you said you're hitting the road. So, I mean, what's what's your plans for that? Um, you're just going to tour the country and maybe like do some guiding trips here and there or? couple different things um so i i just got engaged back in june um oh congratulations thank you yeah it's i'm pretty excited um i met my fiance at a bass fishing tournament so uh, like-minded individuals it works out great so we are going to move into um i just bought a house 11 months ago and lo and behold i'm renting it out already and (laughs) leaving (laughs) so 
we are going to move into a, a travel trailer toy hauler. Um, and he actually is a rep for a kayak fishing or for a kayak fishing brand. Um, and we are going to just fish tournaments, sell kayaks. Um, I've got a couple gigs writing for some outdoor publications. So we are both able to work remote um, and we're just going to kind of call home wherever home happens to be in that particular area. We find ourselves in at that time. That's awesome. Yeah. I think you're. I think you're my long lost sister or something. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 that, that, I mean, I, that wouldn't surprise me. That, no, that's awesome. I'm actually. Um, I'm in the process of converting my old um, cargo trailer into a camper trailer, and uh, we're going to put paddle and fin stickers on it and take a bunch of fishing trips and stuff. So like, awesome. I mean, you're, you're speaking our language right now. We've, yeah. we're like deep into that right now, but uh, isn't it great? I mean, just kind of simplifying and minimalizing things and getting back to what really is important in life. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, we all get caught up in life struggles for sure, but you know, being able to just let loose and I mean, what you guys are doing are awesome is awesome. Yeah. Um, so here's the question, and we can edit this out. Who's the better fisherman? Well, um, if you want to need to get into, <laughs> um, you don't have to answer. Can that. I, can yeah, I block you, him in the? <laughs> you, you can plead the fifth on that one. Okay. You know, I I will I will tell you. You can go and look at all of our tournaments and see who's who's beat who and uh. every single one <laughs> no he he actually uh he actually beat me at erie and this is the first time this year he beat me in a tournament awesome yeah how'd that now go he, over um he, well he's 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 actually an incredible angler and he's <laughs> fishing for uh for the kbf the the 10 um it's the 10 best anglers in the nation that, that oh, kind of oh, chase awesome. that cool. yep. so he was sitting in sixth in that and he needed a good open finish to kind of coal another open he didn't do as well in um and i i was not chasing the, the kbf angler of the year i had a local club i really wanted to do well on this year um and he but he was and so this this place really helped him and should secure that top 10 invitation to be in bill plantation in florida so it was i was really happy for him that um he That's sat awesome. there and yeah. um he beat me this time and I, I was, I couldn't be more happy for him for that. Very cool. Very yeah, so, so awesome. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty awesome. Christine, if you don't mind, could you talk a little bit about your kayak setup and yeah, feel free to, yeah. you know, just, just kind of, what are your go-tos? What are the things you, you like, you don't like all that kind of good stuff? Um, so I, when I don't fly into tournaments, I, I, I have my uh, pro angler, um, Hobie pro angler 14. Um, I fish in a lot of different kayaks and this one is by far the most incredible fishing platform I think on the market. Interesting. Um, Why do you think that? Several reasons for one. I mean, any, I used to paddle and where I I, I am kind of a purist and I I like the challenge of things. Like I was killing myself trying to fish and paddle at the same time. So the pedal drive system um, right there alone makes any kayak out there, I think more um, conducive to fishing. Sure. Um, But with the pro angler, See, I'm a super unorganized person. And when I'm sitting there flipping through Bay, it's like I like to have a big deck space. Um, I like that the, the that thing is like, it's super wide. So I can stand up. I can walk up and down it. I can, if I snag my safety flag in the back with a big Medusa, I can literally walk to the back and unhook it and walk back up. Work big baits. I can figure eight comfortably. I have no issues with any stability. Um, the rod storage is phenomenal. Like I can get, I, I bring 11 to 12 bass rods with me when I'm fishing a tournament. No way. And it's not even in kidding. The, in the kayak? In the kayak. Yep. And they're all not just in the kayak. I get them along the sides in the rod storage. And I, so all my nicer rods are protected. Um, oh, when I, sweet. when I put them back in there and don't leave them in the back of my age grade. So, um, so the rod actually, storage is phenomenal. They actually run along the sides. In yep. That Interesting. Yeah. So it's, do you have rod holders like with a black pack kind of thing, or is that not needed at all? Not needed, but I do have on the H crate. There is four rod holders um, on each corner. You can stick a rod there, and okay. if I want to be switching back, you know, back and forth really quick, I, I sometimes leave a couple rods back there. Gotcha. But for the most part, like if, when I travel and I, I do a lot of when, tournaments by myself, um, and I have a trailer. And so it's really nice that when I'm you know trying to make it back to, to check in time, I can back my trailer in. 
load my boat up and all my rods and my everything can literally ride in my kayak and I'm gone. Like it it's makes it super easy and, and really quick to load and unload. Um it and the storage is phenomenal. The front hatch is huge. I, I put I have two big tubs of plastics that I put under my seat, um, which is it works out really, really well. So literally a lot of my stuff that I am using um is is right there in my kayak at all times. Right. Easily so it's, accessible it's pretty too. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yes, absolutely. And that's huge. You know? Oh, it absolutely is. And the stability, I think, is the second thing, especially if you're musky yes. fishing, right? Do you spend oh, most yeah. of the time standing, obviously, when you're musky fishing? Yeah. Yeah. You got to, right? Oh, yeah. Well, the first year I fished out of a Jackson Cuda and I couldn't stand. And I, I caught six or seven musky in that thing. Um, it was a nightmare. That was me. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. It's like, whoa. <laughs> I forgot to unplug an air compressor in the garage. My apologies to That's everyone. That's okay. <laughs> I'm awake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. Trust me. I just had a grabber, Brian. Thanks. Yeah, I just jumped <laughs> twenty feet out of my seat because it's like two feet behind me. I apologize. Yeah. It was that trout barking okay. in the background. Yeah, no, that wasn't him barking. That was yeah, that was the air compressor. Sorry about that. No worries. No worries. But we uh, run a very tight ship here, Christine. As you can yeah. see, very, <laughs> it's very. It's like it's like a Swiss watch. Yeah. Hey, yeah. I remember to silent my phone and everything else. I forgot the air compressor. You know, it's not something that always comes up. But that's true. <laughs> but uh, so, what do you think of the obviously the Mirage Drive? I, I guess I'd like to. Get, I've never been in a Hobie. I hear they're amazing. What do you think of like, for instance, with weed management and things like that? Um, I guess how would you rank it to probably some of the other? Have you done any other pedal drives you can compare it to? I or? have. And what the biggest thing with the pedal drive is that it's, it's the best with the weed management because it, whereas like your, um, like your bicycle style, um, like cyclical drives, that's that the, 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 the weeds and stuff will get kind of caught up in that and you have to pull it out and pull it out of there with the Mirage drive. You're in some really thick stuff. All you got to do is lift your drive up and that stuff falls right down. It doesn't get wrapped up around you know, and, and entangled in that you don't have a, I think, yep. yeah, it, it's, it's by far. Cause it kind of flushes a lot of it away. I mean, I saw a lot of guys struggle at lacrosse when it was all overgrown on, on Alaska fishing a big tournament up there. Um, a lot of guys in that type of drive could not get to areas that we were getting in with the, with the Mirage drive. Interesting. That's super so, interesting. Yeah. yeah. That's it. That's a huge, huge benefit to that. How's that reverse work? It works great. Yeah. Some people, you know, will complain that you have to, you know, pull something to go in reverse. It, honestly, it's it's not a big deal. Um, the drive is so is so foolproof and easy to, to maneuver that I've got no issues with that well, at all. Well, from the videos I've seen, it's pretty quick. You know, Very quick. Yeah, it's go. it's nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's nothing. Got you. Huh. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty solid boat. I'm I'm really happy with it, for sure. No, I love the rod storage aspect. I just recently got a Bonafide SS-127, and I can stuff, like you said, 10 or 11 rods Mm -hmm. in my front hatch. And that's so huge, you know, especially, you know, a lot of guys throwing rods in the back of their cars, breaking rod tips, stuff like that. You don't have to worry about that stuff when you can put your rods in your boat. It's so huge. That is the biggest, like when you, I've paid so many G Lumis expedited fees of $125 that <laughs> I don't, I mean, you, you can only do it so much. The rep knew me by name after like the sixth <laughs> one. So <laughs> he's finally like, all right, I'm just going to send you one. You can just waive this fee. You've been through enough. So, oh man, Brian was talking about me right there about breaking rods and throwing them in the back seat. Yep, I, I yeah, hear you. I mean, I've been there. He was talking about me. Yeah. I was trying to be kind and not mention <laughs> <the> name. <laughs> Everybody knows, dude. Yeah, oh, that's funny. That's okay. That that's definitely me too. I mean, I've been there. <laughs> that's awesome. So, uh, you're a ball cap aficionado. Yes, I am. I, as you can probably tell from my uh, Instagram, I I kind of live in one of those things. <laughs> Scott can attest. I pretty much sleep in my hat and wear <laughs> one all day. And my wife, I, it was funny because the other day I just recently got bonafide hat in the mail and my wife's like, you need another hat. And I was like, well, yeah, this one matches my boat. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> so you know, like I don't do the shoe thing. I do the hat thing. So <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. I love yeah. it. So you're a hunter as well. 
Uh, I am. I know on your website, you're, it looks like you're hunting a lot of turkeys, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, ducks and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, how much hunting do you do? What do you hunt for? Things like that. Um, I, I actually guide turkey hunts. Um, oh, okay. I, I, my, I really like, I take a lot of women out. Um, I've had a lot of them reach out to me through social media um, and just, you know, be very intimidated about getting into the sport. And if they genuinely want to learn about it, I, I love nothing more than to, I, I took a gal out this year from West Virginia and I took a gal from um, a local town out the year before that and got them their first turkey and just the two of us. And it was a really cool experience. Um, I bow hunt. Um, I, I always let them use my shotgun for the first time because bow hunting is a whole different ball. Oh, when yeah. it comes to comes to Turkey, but I, I love Turkey hunting. Um, I'm, I've done that for years and years. I love waterfowl. Um, I, unfortunately with the tournament fishing, um, I, it has really cut into my, uh, my hunting these this last year and, and it, it is looking like it'll do that this year also um i'm hoping to get out in the stand and, and get a you know get a dough or two to you know fill a freezer here pretty quick because i i the biggest thing for me is i love to hunt i love to be out there in the woods and you know on the lake and i i like the aspect of getting of knowing where my food comes from I and mean, that's huge to me no so, i agree I agree. I got into hunting for the same, same exact reasons. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I strictly bow hunt. So I, I faced that struggle right off the bat. So I yep. can definitely relate to that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've never been a big waterfowl hunter, but, um, no, I saw it on your website and I was like, no, this is something we definitely have to talk about. Yeah. I think that's <laughs> definitely cool. You know, um, so I've tried to get my daughter into hunting and she's like, yeah, no thanks. Cause I don't <laughs> want to do the whole thing after I shoot the animal. Yeah, <laughs> but, <laughs> it's, it's important. I think to know how to do that though. And um, no, I agree 100%. Yeah. It, it, it'll make, you know, I didn't start hunting until I was in my late teens. So that, that was saying that my family didn't hunt. We just, we fish. That was our big thing. I got into hunting on my own. Sure. Um, so I kind of had to teach myself and that provided some learning curves, but you know, we all get through that. Right on. So, what so Chris, say, Scott? I, I was just going to ask you, um, I'm looking at some of the pictures and it looks like you do a lot of fly fishing as well. I do. Yeah. Have you ever done that out of the kayak? Yes, I have. What are your thoughts? It seems like, I mean, I get like all tangled up just on the shoreline. I can't imagine myself in my kayak trying to fly fish. So talk me through that. Yes. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, I'm, I am working on, um, you know, kind of evening out those, those areas and, and finding the, the best way. Um, I fished out of a kayak last year that was specifically designed to fly fish out of. Okay. Um, it, it was a, it was a paddle kayak. So that was the only thing that was kind of tough, but the platform was great. There was nothing to get the fly line, you know, snagged on. I have done it in my PA 14. And if I take the drive out and put it in the back, it really isn't too bad. I can strip it right into a bucket. Gotcha. Oh, nice. So that, that works out. Okay. Um, if I can get it in the bucket and keep it contained, which, you know, isn't always realistic, Sure. but, um, it's, I love to fly fish. I, I taught myself that probably eight or nine years ago when I did a lot of solo backpacking and I wanted to fish, but couldn't bring, you know, rods and conventional gear into the mountains. Sure. So I, uh, fly fishing is absolutely incredible. It's like the, it's like the bow hunting of the hunting world. You know, it's that, it's that takes you the extra step closer and gets you a little bit more intimate with your surroundings and with the experience. And it's that much more of a challenge. So naturally I was drawn to that very quickly. And, um, even more so like I, in the kayak, you take two things that are difficult and put it together. And I mean, you've got a whole nother thing. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm very similar to you as far as fly fishing, like you know, during the spring and the fall, the steelhead and the salmon run into the rivers out of Lake Michigan out here. Right. And, you know, I, on a forum or something, read that, you know, the salmon were running, guys were hitting them on fly rods. So I went to like some big box store, bought a $35 fly rod to give it a shot, (laughs) caught a 17 pound salmon. And I was like, yeah, this is what I want to (laughs) do. So, you know, obviously that is awesome. (laughs) <laughs> upgraded from there i haven't quite caught a 17 pounder again i've gotten close 
but you know then it spawned off you know going uh you know i fly fished out in colorado and such and um i can totally agree i mean you put that so well like fly fishing is the bow hunting of fishing right and i haven't tried it out of my kayak yet but that trust me that thought's been jumping around up there you know in my head and uh I think it, it it'll definitely be an awesome challenge. So oh, yeah, most most well, definitely. Like where you're at in Nebraska, do you guys have trout streams near you, or are you traveling a distance to go fish trout? I travel a distance to fish trout. Um, okay, there are a couple hidden, you know, little local spots that have some stalkers um, in some areas, but for the most part, you know, why I like fish fishing for trout is the mountains like I love the scenery I I love that the atmosphere and the the air and you know the just the seclusion and the solitude that you get with what comes from that I you know Nebraska doesn't well it does have its own different kind of beauty it's not what I think of when I'm thinking about fly fishing trust me from a guy that drives to Colorado like once a year Nebraska is the worst state to drive through no well, offense well, hey don't don't be sleeping on Iowa Iowa is yeah. 10 times worse yeah. than Nebraska yeah yeah Brian yeah, you know, have you been in Illinois yet yeah I, I mean it's just the same pretty much once you get <laughs> yeah. west of 39 but um yeah no I I hear you so are you traveling west then out to like Colorado Utah Wyoming to fly fish or yes I my favorites I mean we just got back from the Gunnison um, oh, nice. That, incredible. Like the Black Canyon area. That yeah, was, yeah, yeah. that was such a neat deal. Uh, my spots that I would, I went, I, I go to, oh, what is it? Uh, Calgary by Banff National Park in Canada. Um, Bozeman, okay. Big Sky, Montana. The Grand Tetons around Jackson. Um, Wyoming and the Bighorns. Um, the New River out in West Virginia. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, that was an incredible fly fishing scene. Um, those are kind of some of my, and then down, I did some fishing in Marble Canyon, um, in Arizona. That was pretty neat. It was a beautiful trip down there. Um, I, and I go to a little tiny Island South of the Bahamas for bonefish. And I rent a little boat from some locals and go out and I've, I have yet to get one on my own. Um, it's tough, but I've got a, got a couple bonefish in the fly. I hired a local guide down there. And the last few years I've just gone by myself and rented a boat and, you know, tried to stock the flats with my nine weight, trying to get one on my own. But those things are, those things are a whole different animal. So that, that has yet to happen by myself. That's awesome. Not more that is it. awesome. I've never fished saltwater, but you know, my bucket list is fly fishing for tarpon down in the keys. Coast. Yes. That, that, like... You and me both. <laughs> yep. You and me both. <laughs> I, I drool over that type of stuff, but yeah. uh, that's pretty incredible. I've, I can, I can definitely dig that. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's nor- awesome. Normally when I'm fly fishing, I'm going, uh, Colorado river up, up by, uh, Granby area. And then okay. I've, I've fished the blue river down in Silverthorne and Dillon area as well. Okay. And that blue river area is just unbelievable for rainbows. I mean, blue river. Yeah. It's, I've caught my biggest rainbow on a fly rod down there. And we did the same thing. We hired a guide cause we had never fished it down there. And the blue kind of comes out of the Dillon reservoir there. So they have like this, uh, this freshwater shrimp, it's called a Mrs. Shrimp. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but they, they nymph those a lot, um, during the winter months. And then, um, their dry fly action like it's so crazy this river runs right through downtown Silverthorne, and you'll catch the biggest rainbow of your life in there i mean it's common for a 10 pound rainbow to be caught down in that area wow i mean it's just it's unbelievable and the browns are just as big and beautiful oh that's awesome yeah so recommendation yeah next time you're out there yeah yeah duly noted (laughs) That's awesome. Christine, Christine, have you ever, have you ever gotten into actual the fly tying when we were talking about the the fly fishing? Is that something you ever got into or? I've wanted to, um, as, as, as you probably can, can tell, I have a, um, never ending list of hobbies and (laughs) (laughs) that was one that, I mean, I, I've, I can't even tell you how many stuff that I I've invested all this time and effort and energy into and, 
Um, I have always wanted to do that. Now, when I find enough time to be able to sit down and sit still for long enough, I, that is something that I, you know, I think when people get older and they start to knit, I think I'll get older and tie flies. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's going to be my thing. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I'll give you one recommendation. Start with big lures and then work your way down to the number 22s and 24s. Okay. Yeah. Those little ones look very intimidating. <laughs> Trust me. I think I'm partially blind from tying those things. So. <laughs> okay. But uh, yeah, no, it's, it's definitely an art form. Um, I got into it pretty heavy when I started fly fishing a lot. Um, I haven't tied as of lately in probably the past year or so, but you know, it's usually every time we're heading out to Colorado, I tie a bunch of stuff up, but it's definitely different. It's, it's an art form, but it's, it's so cool. Like I, I built my fly rod. I tied my flies. The only thing I didn't make was my reel and my line. And there's just something to be said about that when you catch a fish in that form. You know, um, I don't know. Yeah. That's just my own thing, but you know, that's incredibly it's, rewarding. Yeah. Sure. I can't even imagine. That's great. Definitely. So it's cool. I would definitely recommend it when you get some time. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's, it is on the list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, Scott, you got anything else to add to this or no, man, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm still looking at these pictures, Christine, and I'm I'm totally envious. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Yeah, um, those those smallmouth pictures that oh, you awesome. have up on yeah. your Instagram is that in Nebraska? That is not. That's actually um, in South Dakota. I did okay. A little, little trip. Um, this was the first fun fishing trip I actually got to do um, almost all year. Um, you would have normally like last year. I had I had so many more. You know, the, of the cool quote unquote cool fish, the muskie, the big pike, the the big walleye and stuff, but, um, I wasn't able to, to do that this year with, with the focus on tournament fishing. Um, I kind of, you know, the, the, the cool stuff kind of took a backseat to one of my biggest goals. So hopefully this fall I'll, you know, you'll be able to see, I'll be tackling some, some serious musky fishing and having a little bit more fun. Um, nice. Upcoming. So, so I guess I do have a, a, another question for you, you mentioned earlier and, and, uh, about using side finding on your depth finder side imaging yeah side imaging so yep. t- can you talk a little bit about that because we just we just had a, a podcast or two where we we had a couple guests on and we were talking specifically about uh, depth finders and features and what to look for and that kind of thing maybe you could talk a little bit about the side imaging and kind of how you use it yeah absolutely um so side imaging a lot of i think a lot of people make the mistake of, of using side imaging to find their fish um, I think that makes it a little bit more difficult. I think what side imaging is the most useful for is finding, um, your structure, structure. finding yeah. your, finding the things that fish relate to, you know, finding humps out in the middle of the lake that aren't, aren't marked on your, uh, on your, your, your chart or any yep. of your graphs, um, looking for grass, um, weed lines, you know, boulders. Uh, I, I basically will just cover water. And I will run nothing but my side imaging and I'll just look and um, it's a little more difficult in a kayak. You, I, as you know, with side imaging, you need to be going in a straight line and maintain a certain speed to, to really have that be effective. But once you kind of get that dialed in and you're, you're cruising, I mean, I, I can look and, you know, make waypoints just as I'm going along on, on stuff. And then I can go back to that waypoint, go over it and see exactly what it is and, it, you know, whether or not it's, it's worth targeting and I can break down water so fast with that. I mean, I, I absolutely, I rely heavily on, on side imaging. So I get really confused when I look at the image of side imaging, cause it's like a line down the middle and you've got two images on either side, but as you're see, moving, like, how does that relate? You know what I mean? I'm, I'm so confused. you, you need to basically, if you were to, if you, if you put it off a piece of paper of what you're seeing and folded it, yeah, that's what you're looking at. Um, so the, that, that in the middle, that is your water column and your boat is that line. I see. So it, 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 it is, you know, my, my fiance doesn't use it because he doesn't understand it as well either. So <laughs> it's like, me and him have to have it, a talk. I yeah, I know. I know. And it's, it's one of the most useful tools, but it's like, it's like anything else, you know, yeah. um, once you understand it and know what you're looking for, you've like unlocked the, the mega secret of bass. Of the of any, yeah, exactly. Sure. And you've got it. Um, but you need to just, 
uh, what I did is years ago, it kind of helped because I worked in, in that in the industry where, you know, I was around this stuff all the time. But watching some videos are just the best thing is just getting out there with someone that knows what they're knows how to use it. And sure. just having them sit with you and say, this is what you look for. This is what this is. This is how, you know, you can see when it gets, you know, a little lighter color, that's obviously it's coming up and you're getting shallow water and you can kind of see where there's cuts in the, in the bank and ledge fishing is huge. Like in Kentucky Lake, um, eliminating productive ledges or unproductive ledges pretty quickly. Um, it's, it's just a phenomenal feature if you, if you're able to, to know what you're looking at. Well, you know, what's funny is, I mean, Brian, that's exactly what we were talking with uh, Scott Purs when he was yep. on the pod, et cetera. You know, use the depth finder to find structure. You know, you're not mm-hmm. really looking for fish per se. I mean, you can, no. you know, there's aspects of that, but uh, for the most part, it's looking for structure. Sounds like yeah. the exact same thing. Oh, no, yeah. absolutely. I mean, I was one of those guys when I first got a depth finder years ago. You know, I was like, all right, where's the fish? You know, staring at mm-hmm. my depth finder, waiting for that red mark. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, but you know, obviously it doesn't work that way. But I mean, that's the biggest thing with depth finders is just locating structure. I mean, we talked about that um, on uh, uh, one of our recent podcasts when we were fishing a river. I was a bonehead, forgot my depth finder, you know. But and it was a really rocky river. If we could have, you know, seen what was down there, looked for the big boulders, things like that, we would have found more fish. I think yes. without, without so, a doubt. We both forgot it, so. Yeah. You're not the only one. I'm not the only one. Makes me yeah. feel better. <laughs> it's all about what those fish are relating to. No, know? for sure. For sure. For sure. So very cool. Um, yeah, so let's wrap this up. Um, I mean, Christine is sponsored by Ram Mounts, Hobie Boats, Bending Branches, Lunge and Lures, Caney Fork Outdoors. Um you got any plugs or you want to throw anything out there, like how people can follow you on social media, your website address, maybe things like that. Um, just usually people will just find me on my Instagram at Midwest Fisher gal. Um, and my, I have a link to my blog on that. Um, and I, I share some pretty good stuff. I enjoy to write. So, um, all my articles will be shared through my Instagram. No. And I mean, guys, gals definitely check out her blog. I mean, some of the stuff she writes is just absolutely unbelievable. And it, I mean, Thanks, definitely, guys. definitely had uh, the gears in my head turning for sure. So um, awesome. I think it's, it's, you know, you definitely share your passion there. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people could read that and definitely take something home from it for sure. So I cool. appreciate that. Um, just a quick announcement for all you listeners. Um, we just got some stickers in. So if you guys want a decal or anything, you can email us at paddle, the letter N, and the word fin at gmail.com. And we'll send you guys some pic- uh, some stickers. You can throw them on your kayaks, your cars, whatever. We appreciate everybody's support. Um, we're also looking at doing a run of T-shirts if anybody's interested in that please email us as well. You can also get us on Instagram at paddle, the letter N in Finn. And um, we just want to thank Christine for being on tonight. Yeah. Uh, thanks Christine. This, this no, thank you guys. Definitely an, an awesome episode. And, you know, uh, I'm glad that this came together and I mean, I won't lie. I was a little nervous at first, but uh, <laughs> no, I think it turned out great. And I think really everybody, you know, you're definitely an inspiration, especially to the women out there that are, you know, trying to make a name for themselves. So just keep on doing you. And, you know, we uh, wish you the best of luck this year in the KBF and all that stuff. Same with the fiance too, but you know, we (laughs) won't tell them that you said you're the better fisher. Fisher. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. So until next time, uh, we'll catch you on the next pod. Uh, Who do we got up next, Scott? Uh, we've got a we've got a couple of guests lined up. Uh, one uh, next week's going to be uh, a guy by the name of Steve McGee, who's out of Texas. He does a lot of different uh, different types of fishing. He's got a lot of kayak knowledge. Uh, we've got uh, uh, Yak Tribe lined up. We've got a I think we're booked about four weeks out, so we got a lot of good stuff coming. Awesome, awesome. So stay tuned for that, guys. Um, thank you again, Christine. You bet. And, uh, thank you, guys, very much. Yeah, anytime you're in the Illinois area and you want to check Illinois off your fishing list. 
hit us up. We'll take you out. <laughs> that sounds so, awesome. I'll take you up on that. Cool. <laughs> yeah, no problem. And yeah, maybe we can catch up with you down the road after you get some traveling under your belt and you guys are uh, traveling around. We'd love to have you back on. Absolutely. That sounds oh. great. All right. Till next time. We'll see you guys.